0: Amen. Good morning. Thank you all for being here. It's wonderful to have you here to be together with one another and we're so very thankful to have our visitors with us and members with us as well. Those who are joining us online, we're so very thankful to have you with us and we're always here for you. And uh, our church family is special and we're talking about Uh, church a lot lately, and and, uh, we want to spend time thinking about that. So we're spending the next few weeks through the end of the year to think about, well, why should we even bother with church? Well, let me ask you something. If you were to walk into a gym, now I said if, I didn't say when, I said if you were to darken the doors of a gym, what would you see? Who would you see? This is a selfie of when I went <laughs> no. But uh, the commercials make you think that everybody in there is in perfect shape. You know, they've got, they know how to use all the contraptions in there. But that's not the reality, is it? If you were to walk in a gym, you would see people of all different ages, sizes, stages of life and health, and, and, and they would be working out, some stand around talking, Paying their monthly dues while they say they were working out. They wore the clothes, so I guess that counts. But in the, and you would see people of all different kinds of uh, stages in there working out, wouldn't you, in a gym? The same is true when it comes to the church. There are people of all different kinds of backgrounds, different personalities, interests, hobbies, uh, places from all over the country and the world. Uh, different ethnicities, different education, income levels, uh, different, some, some you're interested in, some you're naturally drawn to, you have more in common, some you have very little if nothing in common with in terms of just typical things you're interested in. So the church, kind of like a gym, is made up of a lot of different kinds of people. Now, what happens when you bring people together? It doesn't take long Before somebody's gonna have a different opinion than somebody, before somebody's gonna kind of bug someone else, is that right? Before somebody's gonna do something that bothers or hurts or disappoints or lets down another person. Because the church is full of people who are imperfect. So it doesn't take you long to realize that everyone around you is imperfect. And you're wondering, well, what's the problem? Why are all these people, how can all these people be imperfect? Well, don't worry. All you got to do is wait, and you'll realize you're imperfect too, because we all are. So, you know, as the saying goes, uh, if you find the perfect church, don't go there. Why? Because you'll mess it up, right, (laughs) as soon as you go go in there. Well, that's what we're talking about tonight, uh, this morning. Why bother with church if it isn't perfect? Why would I even bother with it? Well, from the beginning of the church, there were problems. In Acts chapter 6, there were widows who were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. That was likely due to a language barrier, but they had a problem they had to deal with. Do you think that there was some hurt feelings? Do you think that there was some people who got offended and hurt? Like, we're talking about feeding widows, and they were getting left out. I mean, how could that happen? How insensitive could they be? Did they mean to do that? Well, we probably can assume they didn't mean to, but somehow they left them out and they weren't getting fed. That's that's not very good, is it? So you can imagine the the hurt feelings over that, the misunderstandings, but also we see that the apostles took care of that as, as soon as the problem was brought to their attention. But even, even before the church was established among the disciples, they had problems. There's kind of the problem of the guy who betrayed Jesus, who, who, who for money turned him in and told the, the mob of people who he was. Paul and Barnabas had a strong disagreement and went their separate ways. Do you remember that? Uh, Paul had an issue with Peter over uh, uh, Peter no longer eating with the Gentiles when the Jews showed up. Paul was kind of in on some of these (laughs) disagreements, wasn't he? Church leaders met in Acts 15. They met in Jerusalem because there was disagreement on do Gentile Christians need to be circumcised? And there were strong differences of opinion there. And and you can imagine hurt feelings and and misunderstandings and being upset over that kind of thing. You're dealing with culture and ethnicity. And so they met to work through that, and they did. Differences and disagreements and lack of perfection have been a part of the church from the beginning. And all we got to do is rewind the tape. It's been a part of life since the beginning. It didn't take long for, for people to mess things up. And, and sometimes it's in a very bad way where there's there's abuse and that certainly is a different level that has to be addressed but in general we're talking about and we're not ignoring those level of issues but in general we're talking about what's more common and that is our hurt feelings we say something we didn't mean to say or we said something in a way that we didn't know it came across that way or, or we didn't say something and that hurt somebody's feelings or a decision whatever you know what that mean you know you know what those experiences are like and that happens you got to all you got to do is be human long enough and you've experienced that yourself it's happened to you and you've done that to somebody else and you may not even realize realize it you know paul was working with the church in corinth Uh, And it had a lot of problems, too. Uh, Corinth was a city that was at the crossroads for sea traffic. So there was a lot of different kinds of people coming back and forth, a lot of commerce, many different religions and cultures. There were many different little G gods worshipped there. It was a Roman colony, but they had all kinds of different beliefs and and, and things incorporated into their, their, their worship and into their daily social life. And all of this found its way into the Lord's Church in Corinth as well. And the Lord's Church had a lot of problems when it came to things like marriage, divorce, sexual purity, suing one another, uh, general self-centeredness, understanding basic biblical teachings. And their worship didn't look too much like worship's supposed to look. They, they had a lot of issues, Look at 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. Paul says, but, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants of Christ. In Christ, this 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready for it. Verse 3 For you are still in the flesh, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, listen to what he asks them. While this stuff exists among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Do you see how he helps them to see there's a difference between the way just mere humans act and treat one another and there's this expectation of the church isn't supposed to act like that. And he's saying when you act like that, aren't you just acting like humans? In other words, that you're supposed to be better than that. In in, in 1 Corinthians 11:17, 17, Paul even told them when you come together It's not for the better, but for the worse. He's saying, you'd be better off not even coming together and assembling. That's how messed up you are. That's how bad it is among you. And so you can imagine, Paul just said, fine, I'm out of here. See ya. I'm headed off to the next city. Is that what he did? Forget them. Is that what Paul did? No. Paul hung in there with them. He stayed to help them. He didn't give up on them. Uh, He helped them to know what they needed to do and helped hold the bar up high for them. Look what he said about these crazy Christians in 1 Corinthians 1-2. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. They didn't act like they were sanctified, did they? Called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, that's different. The way he sees them through this spiritual lens, through who he knows they can be and should be and hopefully will be, but they weren't acting like sanctified saints. And in verse 4, Paul says, "...I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus." Paul's saying he actually thanked God for them. These people that that had so much division and issues among them that he's saying it's worse when you get together. He's saying, but I thank God for you. Even though they were far from perfect, Paul hung in there with them to help them become what Christ would have them to be. You see, when you become a Christian, you're added to the body of Christ like we were looking at a couple of weeks ago. And so there's this human dimension to that, and there's this spiritual dimension to that. If we only look at the human side, what's going to happen? Real quick, we're going to get our feelings hurt. We're going to get disillusioned and disappointed on church, and on maybe even God and turn away from God because we see the faults and the imperfections in people. And that can cause us, depending on how we process that and how, what kind of hurt it is and who hurt me and who hurt who, we can even turn away from God and say, Enough! If that's how they are, I don't want anything to do with God or the church. And that's happened to people, sadly enough. But there's also this spiritual side, and that's what we see. Paul sees that when he talks to the Corinthians. But at the same time, if we only see the spiritual side, then that can lead us to being naive that there's still that human side and people are going to mess up. People are imperfect. So we can't just say, well, I'm at church and everybody's perfect and no one's ever going to say something in a mean way to me. No one's ever going to do something that hurts my feelings, that whether they realized it or not. Well, that, that's to be naive. Because, and we say, well, but it's the church and, and, and elders are perfect and, and ministers and teachers and deacons, they're all perfect. That's naive because they're human too and we're all in the process of growth and that's that's that other meaning of sanctification that spiritual growth that continuing of our uh, spiritual maturity So uh, some people might conclude that it's easier then to just be a Christian without the church. Hey, I don't need organized religion. I don't need the church. I just need me and God. Me and Jesus, we can sit on the couch and I can watch something online. I can read the Bible. I can get a good motivational message. I don't need the church. I love Jesus, but not the church. I, I, I don't need the church to be a Christian, some say. The only problem is is that that's totally against what Scripture teaches. And that's totally against the way God designed all this and intended for us to be, for His people to be. See, you can't come to Christ without coming to His people. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 5. Paul writes, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Look at verse 5. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. There's this sense of community and belonging to one another that we're supposed to have and feel, and that's supposed to be real and genuine among us. And see, deep in our hearts and our soul, that's what we want. But sometimes we don't want it because it's harder. Because then we got we to gotta get through and work through some things because it's not always easy being in a community together. Uh, in, in that cl- kind of close relationship together. See, when you're in Christ, you're in His church too. You can't be in Christ and not be in His church just like you can't be in the church and not be in Christ. They go together and they're inseparable. They go, they're one in the same because the church is the body of Christ and Christ is the head of His church. You see, church is not a meeting that you attend. It is a body that you belong to. And we've got to get that through our heads that church is not a certain, a designated place at a designated time on a designated day. That's not church. That's when we assemble to worship and edify one another and study and encourage one another. But that's not the church. That's the church assembled. And so church is not a meeting you attend. It's a body you belong to. And that's transformational in our thinking when we understand what the church is. When Jesus stopped Saul on the road to Damascus, what did he say to him? He said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me in Acts chapter 9? Well, well, hold up. Saul never persecuted Jesus, did he? When when do we read about him throwing rocks at Jesus or spitting on him or, or pushing him or trying to arrest him? We don't find that. And so Saul asks, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. You see, because Jesus and his church are one and the same. When you persecute the church, Jesus was telling him, you persecute me. This is my body. This is my church. When you're in me, you're in the church. When you're in the church, you're in me. And they go together. So they're inseparable. And you can't serve Jesus Secondly, without serving his people. You can't serve Jesus without serving his people. Now, speaking of Judgment Day uh, in Matthew 25, on our next slide here, look at verse number 40. Jesus was talking to them about who will be inheriting heaven uh, and who will not be. And look at verse 40. Jesus says, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of these least of these my brothers, You did it to me. We don't always pick up on that when we're reading that. But in this context, Jesus is talking about how his church treated one another. How did you treat the other members of my body, my brothers and sisters in in, in me who were in my body? And so like Jesus said to Saul, what you do to his church, you do to him. And Paul said it like this in Galatians 6.10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. You see that? So how we treat one another in the body matters to Jesus. And, and, And that matters because he knew we weren't perfect. He knew that the Bullard Church of Christ was full of imperfect people. He knew that you find the congregation, it's full of imperfect people. And all you got to do is let the clock tick a, f- a little bit of time, and somebody's going to let somebody else down. Somebody's going to rub somebody the wrong way. Something's going to happen because we're in this together, and that's what happens when we're in community together, serving together simply because we We're Uh, we're Christians in the church. We're human. Becoming a Christian puts you in Christ and therefore in his church. Together, you've got to have that mutual care for one another. And absolutely, we got to care for those outside the church. That, that, that's an absolute. That, certainly, we have to do that. But the focus that we're trying to look at is, is, is why bother with church if it's not perfect? And so we're, that's what we're trying to look at. So it's a little bit of a more internal look. The church is a community to pursue, not a product to consume. The church is a community to pursue not a product to consume. See, if it were a product, you could go to the shelf and buy it, and you could expect that that manufacturer, because he's got other competition, that that manufacturer is going to have that product uh, produced at the highest uh, level of quality, that it's going to work for you. It's going to be a good value for your dollar. Now, that doesn't seem to be the case very often nowadays. But but if it was a product, you could pick and choose, and you can give it one star, or you can give it five stars on Amazon. You can give it a Google review, and you can do all of that if you want because it's a product, and you can throw it away or give it away or sell it, and you can go get you another one because it's just a product. That's what we do with products. You don't even fix appliances anymore nowadays hardly. You can't hardly get them fixed. you got to just throw them away and get new ones. And many of you remember the old days of when you could actually fix stuff, you know. And, And so, but the church isn't a product that you buy. It's a community that you pursue. And we shouldn't treat the church like a product where we just say, I don't like that. It doesn't It doesn't fit me. Something didn't uh, feel right. I just didn't like something about it. I'm going to go pick another one off the shelf. That's not the way Jesus designed the church. It's a community to pursue. And if we don't pursue it as community, then we'll never experience church for what it is designed to be and what God intended it to be. Look at Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us... Consider, the author writes, how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, how do we usually hear this passage being used? To encourage people to come to church, right? That's how we typically use that. See, the Bible says we need to be together. You need to come to church. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And I agree with that. That's right. But let's take a closer look at the passage. And what we see really is more so than the author trying to just tell us to encourage one another to come to church. What he's really saying is come to church to encourage one another. Do you see that? He's saying, you need encouragement. And the way you're going to get that, the God-designed way you're going to get that is by coming together to edify one another, to worship, and you're going to be together and encourage one another. And that is when we interact, and that's when we sometimes bump and rub and scuff ourselves against each other because we're trying to do the work of the church. But he's saying, we need to be there to encourage one another. So guess what that means for you? You are important when it comes to being here, because you are an encouragement to everyone else. And and, and guess what? You need to be encouraged as well. You need to be here so others can encourage you. And you know, I, every time I, we leave worship, I think, oh, I, I saw so-and-so, and I didn't, I didn't talk to him. And, and, and sometimes, no matter what size of the audience, have you ever you had this happen where you, someone says, you, you ask, well, I didn't see so-and-so. Did you see? Oh, yeah, they were there, and you didn't even see them. And It, it can be a small audience or a big audience, and that can happen in any, any setting. And, and so uh, you don't have to necessarily always talk to, to somebody for you to be an encouragement simply because they saw you. You know who encouraged me a lot, and, and anyone, my generation and younger, ought to really be encouraged by our older, older folks who have a lot, it, like it hurts to get up and be here. They go through physical pain and difficulty to get up and be here, and yet they are here every single time they possibly can be. Those people encourage me. The people who get up on their own by themselves, and they're the only one coming, and they're always here. And when you see them, that's encouraging because they know what it means to be here and be encouraged and to encourage one another. I've been to funeral services where one of the spouses has died, and maybe the the funeral was on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, and, and, and naturally and understandably, you think, well, you know, I don't expect to see them Sunday morning. And then there they are Sunday morning. I'm not saying that's a, a, a right or wrong. I, that's a difficult moment in life. But I'm saying there's been times when I've, that spouse has been there that Sunday morning. And, man, that just meant everything. They encouraged everybody else because they were there. And I've had, I've had widows and widowers tell me, I had to be here. I, I, can't, I can't stay home. I had to be here. I needed that encouragement. I needed to be here. This is where I need to be. Those kind of folks encourage me. The church is the gospel made visible. The church is the gospel made visible. If you're at church long enough, and like the gym, it's, it's not an if but a when, kind of the opposite. If you're at church long enough, something's going to hurt you at least at the level of hurting your feelings or bugging you. It's just inevitable. Now, again, when you're talking about significant levels of abuse, that's another level that definitely has to be addressed and dealt with, and I'm not minimizing that. But I'm talking about kind of our more routine, Hurts and bumps and scrapes and disagreements and, and that sort of thing, which is more common. We've got to learn how to work through those things. And of course, any level of hurt and trauma within a body, you have to work with and heal from and deal with and address appropriately. But we say things sometimes we don't realize we, we say or that came out in a way we didn't mean for them to. Sometimes they do. And maybe somebody needs to come talk to you, or you need to come talk to somebody else in love about that. We hurt feelings, we disappoint, we fail. And, and we've got we've to give one another some grace, don't we? Of course, uh, uh, we've got to look to the future and to look to help. How can I be an encouragement to others and help them? And maybe, they don't, maybe I just need to let that roll off my back and not pay attention to it. Maybe I need to not let that bother me. Maybe I'm being a little sensitive or, 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 or whatever. But maybe not. Maybe I need to go talk with my brother or sister and say, Hey, this bugged me. Or when you do this, that, that hurts my feelings. Can we talk about that? When something at church hurts, don't turn from God. Don't turn from the perfect God because imperfect people hurt you or disappoint you or let you down. For all of its faults and idiosyncrasies, the church is still a community that God has gathered together and in which God's presence is here in His Son. Uh, Jesus said... In John 13, 34 through 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, by what? Loving one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. See, the church is the gospel made visible. When the community sees the Buller Church of Christ loving one another, caring for one another, enjoying one another when we come together, when we see one another. That's a witness to the realness of God and the conviction we have and, and the, the power and work of God in our lives when we love one another. That, that's a testimony to others. Our love for each other affects the impact we have In this community think about that how we care for and love one another and deal with one another's imperfections affects our impact that we have in this community we're supposed to be a a city on a hill a light shining for people to see John asks this question he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot uh, love, his brother, love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have seen, we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Who is it that loves God? It's he who loves his brother. So you cannot say you love God and yet you don't love your imperfect brother and sister. Paul wrote that in 1 Corinthians 5 4 that when we're assembled together to worship God, That the power of Jesus is literally with us in our assembled worship. That that makes us think differently about church and about the assembly. That the power and presence of Jesus is with us when we come together. That needs to mean something to us. That needs to uh, have incredible value to us. That says something about the assembled community of Christ. Humanly, the church is a group of flawed people meeting regularly at a designated time on a designated day in a designated place. But spiritually, the church is a group of people whom God has gathered together to do His will and to do His work, to worship Him and to tell others about Him. And God has bound us together at the Bullard Church of Christ and among all of the Lord's church And he's bound us together in a way that transcends anything else that the world has. And so when the church loves one another like we're supposed to, there's nothing like it in the world. And that is that light on a hill, that shining light that is a testimony to Jesus, to others. That's a powerful witness. So that means God has brought this congregation together God has brought you here at this moment in at this place to be a part of this body for a very specific purpose to do his will there was a young woman who went and told her mom about how hard things had been recently things had been tough working just trying to make it trying to trying to get by trying to Uh, exceed in life. She didn't know how she was going to make it and wanted to give up. It seemed like being an adult was hard. It was one problem after another, this adulting thing. Her mom took her into the kitchen after listening to her and filled up three pots of water and set them on the stovetop and turned the stove up to high and Sat there and waited, not saying a word, for several minutes until the water started boiling. And then when the water was boiling, she took out some carrots and she put them in one of the pots. And then she took out some eggs and put them in another pot. Then she took some ground coffee and she put them in the ground, coffee grounds in the third pot. And she just waited. And Her daughter talked some more. Mom didn't tell her what she was doing. She just went on about her business listening to her daughter. And after a while, when things were ready, the mom turned off the burners, and she took the carrots out of the water and put them in a bowl. And she told her daughter, pick up the carrot and touch it. What do you notice? And she said, it was soft. And then she, she, she took the egg out, and she put it in a bowl, and she said, what do you notice? Crack the egg. So she peeled the shell and found that it was now hard-boiled. It, it, it wasn't runny like it used to be. And then she scooped out some of the, in the third pot, the coffee that was now dissolved, and she put it in a bowl, and she said, taste that. What do you notice? She picked up the bowl and could smell the aroma, and then she tasted the rich coffee flavor. And then the daughter asked her mom, mom, what does this mean? What are you doing? What's going on? And Her mom explained that each of these objects faced the same adversity. They all faced the boiling water, but each one of them reacted differently. The carrot went in strong and it came out weak. The egg had been fragile and its shell protected its liquid interior, but the boiling water hardened its insides. And the ground coffee was unique, though, because after the coffee was in the boiling water, what did it do? It changed the water. And that's what I want to tell you this morning. Your job's to change the water. That's what you're supposed to do. You see, imperfection... Change the water. Make the water better. Give it flavor. Give it richness. Make it better. Don't let it make you soft and weak. Don't let it harden you, harden your heart. Make it better. You want to see something different in the school system, in the community, at work? Make it better. Change the water. That's what Jesus wants us to do. That's what His people are are supposed to do. We're imperfect. And we've got to be about changing the water that we're in. You see an issue in the church, an imperfection. You make it better. What what if that's why God brought you here? And what if that's why you saw that? So that you can be the one to help make that better. Do you see? Maybe that's what you're supposed to do instead of what the carrot and the egg did. And when we all decide to... That God is using us to change the water. What difference will that make, not only in the church, but in this community? Imagine that. That's what I want to encourage you with this morning. Church isn't perfect. Nothing we can do about it. (laughs) All we can do is grow spiritually and be about changing the water as we live to glorify God. If we can help you in any way this morning, pray for you, encourage you. Maybe you're ready to put on Christ in baptism Maybe you need to study. We want you to know we're always here for you. If we can help you this morning, please come forward now.